0: Hello, my name is John Schaefer, and welcome to the Citywide Wealth Manager Podcast. In this extract from our asset allocation debate, we discussed ESG products and how COVID nineteen has increased their popularity. But has this trend fundamentally changed asset allocation for the year ahead? And are our ESG ratings really giving portfolio managers enough information? Speakers in this recording include Justin Anokasi from Legal in General, Suzanne Hutchins from Newton. John-Paul Yeagers from Buckley's Wealth, Fahad Kamal from Kleinwort-Hambros, and Rosie Bullard from James Hambro Partners. Obviously, there's been a lot of popularity over ESG over the past, past 12 to 18 months. Um, it seems to have been accelerated somewhat by the, by the pandemic. And has that changed your asset allocation at all? Who wants to kick us off? Maybe Justin, do you want to kick us off?
1: I suppose it, what we've um, been doing more and more is thinking about, Uh, as ESG becomes more commoditized, becomes more um, people begin to start to understand really and break it down outside of just climate change. Um, We have um, built a proprietary scoring model um, for ESG, um, the rating, the ESG um, credibility of stocks and, and bonds. And effectively what we do now in our strategic asset allocation process is we integrate that within the process. So as we think about building the overall portfolio, if we can get a similar risk return constraint, uh, a similar risk cont- risk return outcome, but with a, a lower ESG score, we're more likely to go for that, sorry, a higher ESG score, we're more likely to go for that portfolio. And, and, I, and I think that that is, that is very important. In addition to that, um, you know, clearly we've got a very large CSR team who are consistently engaging with companies, uh, and you know are the uh, I suppose are, are, are one of the leaders in um, things like you know uh, gender gender change on boards, ethnicity change on boards, which which have been uh, LGM have been very vocal about, but also also on the climate change side as well. So you know, uh, most of our uh, assets that I manage are in fund of index funds. Um, but the engagement is still, you know, extremely high on those on, on, on those products.
0: Does anyone feel like they've, they've really changed tack because of that boost in interest to ESG?
2: At Newton, um, you know, we've integrated environmental, social and governance issues into our investment process and our investment ideas, um, you know, for the last 20, 25 years. So, um, and to be honest with you, ESG you know is basic 101 in asset management now. I mean if you don't do it you're you're just not at the table. So I mean you have to integrate it in some way. I, I think the question is more you know how far do you take ESG and you know we have um, launched a number of sustainable funds where um, it's much more not about exclusion but more about engagement being proactive um, with the companies and you know really seeking those businesses where we think there's actually really structural growth opportunities so naturally you know because of the way that we think about portfolio construction and our bent or our lens towards themes and sustainability it has actually driven our asset allocation towards more renewable energy, infrastructure, solution providers um, and away from and what the market has already put a discount on, you know, the carbon, um, fossil fuels of this world, you know, tobacco, aerospace and de- defence. So that's already happening in the marketplace and creating a bifurcation valuation, um, which is in itself um, offering opportunities.
0: Rosie, do you want to jump in?
2: Well, I think there hasn't um, been
0: any company or fund presentation that I've been to over the last year that doesn't now incorporate a slide on ESG or multiple slides, which is fantastic. This is great that all the investment community are really thinking about this issue. We've obviously seen huge amounts of money provided towards these areas by governments, the latest with the European Recovery Fund in terms of their commitment towards green energy. This is where lots and lots of investment is going and if we can make money for our clients as a result of this then great we will do so but we're not going to move away from our fundamentals in terms of the types of companies we like to buy the types of funds we want to invest into and obviously valuation is absolutely crucial you pay the wrong stock you pay the wrong price for a stock even if you've identified it's a wonderful story you won't make any money so we need to be careful in terms of how much we're paying for that. Look at some of the wind companies, for example, and the multiples they're trading on for unprofitable or very low profitability within their business model. So we have to be careful in terms of how quickly certain areas have run, but there is no doubt that this is really changing thinking across the city. But what we also have to be aware of, though, is what you're trying to actually achieve within your portfolio. So if you take, for example, a pest control business, Pest control, stopping the spread of disease, beneficial for human life, big tick in the box. But pest control also most likely means use of chemicals, potentially bad for the environment. Where do you sit on that spectrum? What's important for your clients? And those are the kind of debates that we're having internally around ESG. Um, Yeah, I I suppose the the challenge with ESG is that it's very subjective. And and Jean-Paul, perhaps you could say how you approach that.
3: Yeah, so so it, it, yeah, I recognize that ESG is increasingly important, uh, and, and at Barclays Wealth, we also do offer a multi-asset impact fund, so the the building blocks uh, are selected with ESG in mind. Um, but that being said, this field is very, very complex. Um, and for example, we see to some degree, it's also a little bit in the eye of the beholder, so the rating firms who give different scorings on the E and the S and the G often come up with very different different ratings. So it, it, there is not really, I think, a very sufficient con- consensus of how that ESG scoring should look like. Um, in the long run, you would expect that if you apply more constraints on portfolios, and there is a theoretical um, a, a transmission mechanism that you would expect in the long run that your expected return should be slightly lower if you get more involved into ESG. That's not what we have seen this time around. And I think there's still a lot of things that, yeah, especially in the literature, academic literature, that does not agree on at the moment. Personally, I think the real interesting bit, instead of just screening and using ESG ratings, is probably about the changes in those ratings. I think as an investor, if you think about your prospective returns, it's particularly interested to look at companies that might not be high on those ratings, but are doing something to get those ratings up. So yeah, as as an investor, you you yeah, I think it's the interesting bit in the changes in rating, instead of the, the starting point. Uh, but I do recognise that the pandemic has accelerated this ESG push, and of course, that's yeah, that must be a very welcome development.
0: So, Fahad, how do you approach the the murky world of ESG ratings then?
4: Well, um, you know, <laughs> not not easily, glass. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, the, it's. ESG now you know as, as, as has been alluded is it's the sort of thing that everybody is long right I mean it's a, it's a sort of thing that's like justice or equality everybody wants more of it but the but the but the but the real proof of the pudding is going to be um, is going to be you know well, what does that actually mean right I mean I can sit here and tell you that I love ESG but you know what are we what are we doing so it's easy over the last 10 or 12 years, if you see, like, I'm just giving you an example. If you see an MSCI or Country World ETF, you know, index, and then you see the MSCI or Country World ESG index, ESG Leaders Index, it, it out- actually outperforms the normal index, right? So it's actually brilliant because you're like, oh, wow, it's very easy. I'm, I'm, you know, I am I've got my ethics box checked and there's better return. So, you know, everything is in perfect alignment. I'd be very curious about, you know, how much, how people will feel if those two, you know, go in the opposite direction. Let's say from current valuations, you know, energy companies have a huge, you know, a huge, massive rise from here. And, and, the, and the tech, you know, the tech companies, which tend to score quite well on, on ESG metrics, don't do as well. And suddenly that performance begins to diverge. I, you know, I'd love to see how many people then are, are, are quite so positive quite so positive and bullish about ESG. Um so the proof will come in the pudding, particularly when it gets tested. We'll see. We're obviously doing um, we're doing our bit. Like I said, it's hard to not want more equality and uh, and ESG. So we're doing our bit. We have a, we have a range of strategies that are uh, responsible, that are constructive, responsible only components. Uh, similar to I'm sure everybody else. Um, there are challenges. There are uh, the entire asset classes where it's difficult to get. Um, uh, ESG-rated uh, products. For example, as I said, one of the big things that we hold and we've held for many years is, is gold. And uh, obviously, how do you do that in an ESG portfolio? Not so easy. Um, similar, you know, hedge funds example, there's, there, there isn't as much. It's pretty easy on the equity side, easier on the bond side. But so I, long story short, it, it's wonderful. We all want more of it. I think, you know, the real test may come when when the performance and the ethics begin to diverge. Uh, but but I think that it's it's foregone conclusion that this is now a permanent part of of uh, of our thinking in our portfolios, you know, forever.